Welcome back to another episode of our Eagle Perspective podcast. We're continuing on in our series with Mr. Rod Gilbert, A Yard of Books. And uh, I'm Mike Siciliano, here, of course, with the one and only Rod Gilbert. Rod, hey, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. It's I'm, enjoyable. I'm pretty excited about our book today. I know you're really me too. excited. Me too. I'm also excited about our guest today, the one and only Bible teacher, Mr. Steve Kim. I refer to him sometimes <laughs> as coach. Sometimes still as Mr. Kim, because uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So true or false, I was in your very first class as a teacher, very first section on the very first day, like your first teaching moment, I was one of your students. 100% true, and I was a wreck. So I <laughs> cried that morning. Before you showed up, I cried that because morning. Because of Mike? No, yeah. I didn't know. I was scared. So scared. Okay, so you were you were like 22 years 22. old at the time, right? Wow. Okay, and I think I was 16. 16, yep. <laughs> and all all I knew was that wow, this guy's really good. He knows his stuff. <laughs> what a what a great hire by the school, right? Little did I know you were crying in your car. The trick worked. Yeah. As long as they don't know that I don't know what I'm doing, then we're fine. <laughs> so you've taught a number of things at, at Santa Fe. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your time here and the roles that you've had? Yeah, when I first came to Santa Fe, um, chemistry, and then I taught history and also a section of geometry with the ever-famous Mr. Jelnick. Mm-hmm. Walked away from the school to go to seminary, then came back and... The Lord had planned a Bible opening, and so came back to that. Then taught AP Bio for a good number of years, and now just all Bible. Okay, and you're you're currently doing freshman and senior Bible. Freshman and senior Bible, okay. and a new uh, also a new class of uh, sophomores as well. Awesome. Okay, so multi talented, <laughs> Mr. Kimball. You said chemistry. You didn't mention honors chemistry. Honors I, chemistry. Thank I'm sorry. You. Okay, sorry. like honors please, chemistry with let, Mike. Let's not let the yeah, audience yeah. think I was just no. in regular chemistry. No. Although you can attest to maybe I should have been. No, no, I, not at all. <laughs> no. And and fun fact, I still remember. Mike's project. Oh boy. On fluoride in the water. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but I definitely remember that. I, I try to forget. Okay, well. <laughs> but I'm glad you remember I do. it. I do. So that's yeah. good. Um, well, we're not talking about fluoride today. Okay, good. But we are talking about something even more integral to the soul and a book that really, I think, is one of the most creative, powerful books in in a lot of people's Christian walk, Rod, am I am I overstepping in, no, in it, saying it that? It is for me personally. Okay, and so it's been pretty formative, I would say. Okay, so we're talking about the Screw Tape Letters yeah. with uh, the one and only C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the the most well-renowned Christian authors around, and and this is you know probably one of his top two or three books, yeah. uh, and that's saying a lot. I know yeah. a lot of people think of him, of course, as the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Um, But he wrote a number of other works, including this one. He has a real gift for taking complicated things and figuring out a way to to tell to tell a story or a thing that that makes us understand it. Right. Um, Almost not to give him too much credit, but sort of the way Jesus used parables. So, Rod, I'll I'll start with you, because this one, as we've as we've gotten into this podcast, it's like every time we've been like, what book should we do next? This has been one of the nominees. Right. And now we're doing it. Yeah, I'm excited. He's a great storyteller. Yeah. And he's a lover of allegory. And so one of his best friends is, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. And Tolkien couldn't stand allegory. (laughs) So they would meet every week in a little group called the Inklings. And uh, they would argue profusely, like Lewis could not stand how Tolkien would not put allegory into his book. 
And uh, anyways, it was a good fight between two friends. Why is this one of, of kind of the ones that in your mind is like top two or three must reads? I, I think it is one of those books that uh, if you start reading in your 20s like I did, you'll, you'll actually understand maybe a third of it. Is that fair, Steve? That's how C.S. Lewis writes. And, and so <laughs> I, I've read, reread, I reread it every fall. And uh, even rereading it last fall with, through the eyes of going through the pandemic, there were sentences and paragraphs in there. I, thought, I don't remember reading that. Well, say a little more about that. Like, do you have one in mind or a piece of it in mind? Yeah, I think the part that stood out for me was when he, when uh, Lewis was writing this book, it was during World War II. And he, he mentions the war as an issue, but it's not the prime issue. And, and it allowed me to kind of think, well, I can put the pandemic in a location in my heart without it overwhelming me. If uh, Lewis can sideline World War II, I can sideline the pandemic and continue to live a life of the good things. Like, like the pandemic, and in this case, the war, yeah. is it's just a piece of a it's, greater it's narrative. A, it's a small piece of a greater narrative, and it allowed me to sort of live a good life in spite of all the unknowns that we still have today. Yeah. And it, it was calming to me to yeah. think, well, if uh, Lewis can do that with the war... I could do it with the pen. I sure wish I'd have read it a year ago now that we're having this conversation. <laughs> uh, okay, so so Steve, maybe you can take a crack at sort of what's the the general, like for anyone who's not familiar yep. with this book, what what is the, what's it about? What's the, the baseline? So you have, I would say, a chief devil trying to train an under devil. Like, what can I do to tempt, trick, get this human being away from following God? And so there's a correspondence going on. These are the, what the letters are. There's a correspondence going on of, okay, so this is what's happening. What should I do? And it's just going back and forth of, okay, good job here. Don't be alarmed about this. Maybe we can push this person to do this. And, um, or awful job. What are you doing? <laughs> Stop that's, doing that's that. That's actually more often. Yeah. yeah Stop doing The old devil you're, calls him an idiot. Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> why are you, you know, going down this road? And so it's, it's a, it's a back and forth. I would say when you're reading it too, you've got to be in that frame of mind of, because he calls the enemy and the enemy is, is God. And so like you're, you have to continue to get in that frame of mind like, Oh yeah, we're from the other side. Right. We're reading it from the other side. Yeah, so. this is the dark side. Right, right. Yeah, and and you mentioned a couple things. The 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 correspondence. That's really the whole book, right? Correct. Is letters back and forth uh, between these two that you sort of piece together the story in. And and since I since I have read this less recently than the two of you, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you mentioned sort of like the, the 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 senior devil writing back with, you know, no no no, you got it all wrong. I remember it being sort of like when the younger devil writes his intentions, I was always thinking, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense, right? And then the senior devil comes in and it makes you think like, oh, this is actually much deeper and more twisted than I was conscious of before, right? Is that an accurate way well, of explaining? And I, for one slight correction to it is we actually never see the young devil's letters. Ah, okay, that's all, right. all yeah. we see... Yeah is Uncle Wormwood just putting the screw that's to this right. dumb it's little It's all devil. one way. It's yeah, it's all one, one way. Yeah. We, yeah. we, And then sometimes the uncle will, will refer to, he said, in your last letter, right. yeah. I yeah. noticed that you said something about that dumb head of school, slob gun. <laughs> what kind of idiot is running the school? Is this what they're teaching? They should fire him. I've, I've yeah. contacted the board, which, yeah. you know, of course I find this really hilarious. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so it's all one-sided, and then he refers to right. what the young devil has reported, but we never actually see 
the Young Devil's Letters. Yeah. But it's um, C.S. Lewis said when he was writing it and after he wrote it, he said it was actually the most awful experience of all of his writing. Mm. But because of what the way St- uh, Steve said it, he was having to get into the mind of an evildoer and stay there and represent it well in character. He said it was quite taxing to his soul. So do, do you have a favorite part of the book or a particular piece that stands out, Steve? Yeah, so if you know the uh, boiling frog analogy illustration, uh, that is definitely one of the things that, as I think about this book, um, stands out to me. So the boiling frog analogy is, in order to boil a frog, you don't have boiling water and put the try to put the frog in the boiling water because it'll just jump right out. You put it in the cold water that it's comfortable in, that's nice, and then just little by little you turn up the heat until you turn up the heat so much that it's dead and it doesn't even know it is. And so C.S. Lewis talks about, um, and I think a couple times here throughout the book, he's, you know, he's like, oh, you know, he's going to church. I, I, I don't know about that. It's like, well... It's okay, because as long as he's going to church, but there's not really an effect on his life, we're, we're good with him right there. Yeah, in for, fact, he thinks he's doing great. Yeah, and, and the, yeah. The, the more he thinks he's just a good person because he goes to church, that's where we want to keep him. Um, and he, he, he paints this picture, and, and his, his own illustration is this. He says, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. And it's just, you don't even know you're there until it's too late. Yeah. And um, it's, it's just, like, that's that's how the devil works, is he doesn't want to show up as this, as we think of him, this horned, fiery guy who's just, like, kind of scaring you because we would all run away from him. Right, yeah. He wants to appear as an angel of light. Yeah. And become your best friend. And then, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we knew it was the devil talking to us, we'd be like, I'm not listening to you, right? When we think it's somebody else, then suddenly we pay more attention. Is this something you ever talk about with students? Let me go back to uh, something Steve said at the very beginning, where he said that he said the verb trick. Like, we don't want to be susceptible to the tricks of Satan. And so the, the reason that's, that's such a great verb is um, I was rereading Second Corinthians. Let me uh, read this out from Second Corinthians 2. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgotten, if I have forgiven anything, it is for the sake of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. And then in my little New Testament that I towed around, there's about 16 New Testament references where Satan himself is a trickster. Yeah, uh, He's a roaring lion. He must be resisted. He's called the prince of the air. Uh, he is an evil one that's uh, doing bad things. This is a real presence in our world. And um, it's frightening to think that as, as fictional as this book is, it's actually not as evil as the truth. It's actually milder than the reality. And uh, we, we are being searched for by the evil one. Yeah, I'm just sitting here listening to you. It's, it's, it's amazing, right? Even really the first time we meet Satan in Scripture... He's a trickster. And, but we don't think of him that way in our daily life, right? Like we think we know where he is and where he isn't. Like we think we know, like, well, that's obviously. So that's good. Just, I'm just digesting as I listen to you say that of like, I need to sort of reframe that as, you know, yeah, I can be, I can be outwitted if I'm not on top of it. It's called the King James called it the wiles of the devil. Yeah. 
And uh, he's actually not omnipresent like Christ. Mm-hmm. He's actually a being that is somewhere in a location right now in the universe. His yeah. schemes are all around and his minions are somewhere. And I, uh, I, I raise this because it's um, as, as a wild media filled world we live in, there are just some truths of the metaphysical that are true. And Christ believed in demons, and so I do too. And so for us to live in a sanitized world of it's all just morality and let's just be good for good people, there's actually true evil lurking, and uh, we should be vigilantly prepared to not be tricked. Right. To, I mean, I'm sure you address this with the kids sometimes, but it's, it, it, I'm not trying to frighten people, but it's just the reality of what it is. Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing I'd add as well is our purpose in life as human beings is to worship and glorify God. Satan's purpose for us is not that. And so one of the things that I think the thoughts that came out of this book for me is Satan is not in it for us to be Satan worshipers. If we worship Satan, he'll be fine with that. But that's not his goal. His goal is just to what can he do to just get us off track of worshiping God? And so when I think about it that way, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I think his job is so easy, right? Like, it's it just, is there something in this world can just get us off track of how we are supposed to look at God and worship him and glorify him? And if he's done that or if we do that, then he's succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how we get off track or where, which direction we're headed as long as it's not that one. Correct. And, yeah. and so, like, that's that's his goal is, like, we don't have to be satanic. Right. We just, God, no. Yeah. Why right. bother with that? That's too that's too. Yeah, yeah that's extreme. Yeah, why do that? So just yeah. off track, just slightly, perfect. You're rendered useless. Yeah. yeah. So let me just give a little quote from it just to show you how evil this is. So this is the uncle talking to his little nephew he's trying to coach and he's the uncle in his evil way is comparing what he wants from what he wants to get out of the Christian versus what God wants. And he says, we demons want cattle who can finally just become food for us. We want to consume them. He, the other guy wants servants who can, he can eventually call their beloved sons. We want to suck in. He wants to give out. We are empty, and we want them to fill us. He, the other guy, God, is full, and he flows over. Our Father below has drawn all beings to himself, and the other one wants the beings to be better of themselves. So there's the sucking, emptying of the evil one, and then here's Christ welcoming us. You know, as Steve walks his Christian journey, he doesn't become a carcass of himself. Christ wants Mr. Kim to be a continuing, growing, better version of himself. We can only ravage the patient that we yeah. have. He, the other one, can only woo them to his side. And so everybody, you know, we're all being wooed to the bosom and to the side of Christ himself, who wants to love us and care for us. He's wooing us every day, never smashing us on the head. And uh, the evil one wants to devour us. uh, It's so beautiful. I think if we see that reality and we really think about that truth, it's so clear. But again, we get distracted. And so, I mean, that, right? Like one is so beautiful and one is so ugly. 
And yet, and this is what happens, it, it should be so easy. Well, we're uh, we're just broken little bikes, and that's that's and, that's the and, frustration. And that's, and that's what that's why he says the war is just you know in and out. But he said it's really the appetites. So mm-hmm. we're going to spend more time on the appetites of the body, and yeah. uh, we're going to spend more time trying to to direct their life through their natural pleasures and appetites. So I revisited the screw tape letters actually in class. We got to in the New Testament class, uh, and Mr. Garcia actually came up with this idea. I loved it. And he said, when Jesus is tempted by the devil, the story out of Matthew chapter four, right? Like we were in that story. And so now, same thing, students, what are the ways that the devil tries to trick you? What are the temptations that he, and, and so we try to, they try to come up with, uh, what are the arguments he would use? What are the scenarios he might put you in to try to tempt you to get you to sin? Yeah. And so that was really good because the kids then were able to think, okay, if I just do this, if I just do this, or if this happens, then that's how it gets me. How about as a, as a parent? Have you used this with your kids? I go back to that thought of, like, it's these gradual steps. And so I think when we've, you know, in terms of raising our children, we don't wait for the large mistakes to happen, the big significant mistakes to happen, but, like, little things along the way. Mm-hmm. And we challenge their thinking, like, okay, so you lied about not eating your all of your lunch, Let's talk about why that's not a good decision and to try to really tackle it at that point instead of now down the road and it's a lot bigger issue. Yeah. The water temperature is rising, even though it's not boiling yet, right? You need to have some sort of alarm system in there, right? That's good. Rod, how about for you? You mentioned Uh, one part earlier, but... I'm glad you mentioned the thing about the kids. My kids are in their 20s and I I don't think I've ever actually referenced... Screw tape specifically to Katie and Ryan. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't even reference. Yeah, I think it's more of my own little journey, and yeah. because it's it's difficult to quote it. I mean, at one point, the uncle is just mad at the young nephew, <laughs> and then he goes, "Well, I guess you can't expect old heads on young shoulders," is the way he puts it. And we feel that way here. Yeah. We have over a thousand kids, and we we love them the way they are. We don't expect them to be older than they are. Right. But I, I don't think I've ever actually referenced it in anything with uh, Katie or Ryan. And I, I hadn't thought about that until you asked the question. Yeah. I think for me it's been sort of internal journey myself and then maybe how I, how I invest in adults around me. You know, that, that's probably the, the larger place. So, so talk a little more about that because I, I think it was, was it this summer that, that with, the, in fact, the employees in this hallway? Oh, yeah. You, why don't you share a little bit about yeah, that? So, uh, Nobody in the hall with uh, out of the fourteen of us in the hall, uh, nobody had actually read it except for me. And, and when whenever, we say the hallway, we're uh, talking sorry, about it's the admissions office, the yeah. development office, the okay. business office. So I uh, I bought everybody a copy. Yeah. And uh, we we I I showed them. I'm going to show you how to read it because they were in, it, it's an intimidating book. It's it's not an easy book to approach. So. Uh, we actually, I bought a graphic novel version of it and handed that around. But there was one letter I wanted them to all get. And so in order to get the letter, they had to have the whole book. And it was uh, letter eight. And it references, and I have talked about this with my children. I just don't think I've ever said, hey, yeah. I learned this from Scrutin. Right. But it's, it's, he addresses the law of undulation in Christians. And so in math, you have uh, crests and then trough like you have the top of a wave everything's great and then you have the trough when things are not good right the highs and lows highs and lows and um the uncle explains to the to the really stupid nephew because he had the the nephew had the patient the christian they were tempting at a very low point 
and the nephew is so proud of himself. And he said, if you get too low, that's where that other guy starts to do his work. And he said, you're, you're just an idiot. You're incredulous <laughs> because for whatever reason, this, the enemy that doesn't want to be named, which for us is Jehovah, our Lord. Yeah. Yeah. He says, when they get in that deep trench, that's actually not our territory. There's a magic going on down there. We don't know what it is. We've all in the last year had very highs and a lot of lows, so yeah. just exhausting for everybody. But most of our Christian life can be just sort of sort of just humming through the middle. And so when we have a high elation moment, let's not over accentuate that and depend on it. Right. And let's also realize that the trough doesn't last forever. That one has sort of helped me sort of balance, I think, some of the people that I'm involved with here. Yeah. Let's find the middle ground of the highs and lows are good. Right. But there's also just the even even killness of this Christianity that we can really enjoy. And I think you're sort of touching on something that, that is is good for, for us as a school to grapple with and as we think about with our students, right, at that stage of life. And, you know, Steve and I are both in the high school, so maybe yeah. it's especially true in the high school. But it's like every event is the ultimate high or the ultimate low, That's exactly right? right? Every The future depends on whatever just happened. That's exactly right. right. And so there's kind of a, a good message in here of, of like, look, this is all part of a bigger plan. Yeah, there's a bigger narrative. Yeah. But as a teenager, they can't see it. Right. And when you were a teenager, you didn't see it. Oh, absolutely not. Steve's here to tell us that. <laughs> no, but I, what you've been saying is totally true because we've been talking about this too. It's the teenagers say, that was the best thing ever, or that was the worst thing ever. Yeah. Like, I'm having the best day of my life, and I'm having the worst day. And it's always one or the yeah. other. Yeah, two excessive superlatives. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. exhausting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so in light of, of everything we've just shared, which has ranged from, you know, funny to as serious as it gets. Yeah. And scary, even, at times, right? Why read this book? How does it help us understand this more? What's, what's the reason to pick it up and read it? I think we get to see reality. And I think when we, as we live day to day, and I'm totally in in the muck of it, it's cloudy. I, I see it as cloudy as I'm, you know, I'm trying to live each day, but then I think as a result of seeing the devil's tactics, it's not as fuzzy. I can see it, I can have more clarity. And if I can see the truth more clearly, then that will help me live in a way that pleases God. And I, as a little boy, I was a, grew up in vacation Bible school and Sunday school, so I knew the armor of God out of the book of Ephesians. We all learn the armor of God. And uh, so you have it in your head as a child, armor of God, right? And uh, But there's something about reading the battle plans of the evil one to think, wow, I really do have to get the armor on. And so there's something about looking into the evil mind of a, of a demon to say they really are trying to attack me, and I think it's real. And so this armor is actually an essential part of my life, and and uh, I need to be ready for it because it doesn't come like the little horned guy with the tail right. and the, the pitchfork yeah. or the, the Bugs Bunny cartoon, right? That that's uh, that's silly. It's far more that the temptations are all around us, and we have to be mindful that there is a devourer out there that wants to damage us in our homes. Knowing the tactics helps us yeah. with our own. Right? And, and really, and really, I, I brought all the seriousness in here, but it really, there's so many funny parts to it because 
the silliness of this human existence. I mean, look, look at us. Look, yeah. look at how silly we look. You know, the three, you know, and and just the whole concept of this human biped walking around on this earth. It, yeah. it, the, the whole human existence. If you look at it, is really quite funny, and and I think that God's humor is amazing, and uh, just the. And so there is there is a funny side to the book too that you, you laugh just, out loud sometimes a lot. You <laughs> laugh out loud at how ludicrous it is, yeah. and if you're honest, most of the sins that he's tempted with, we've all had in some yes. way. Like the guy sitting in church one day, and instead of listening to the preacher, he starts thinking about how his mother-in-law makes this noise that just drives him crazy. And so he just obsesses about how much he can't stand her. And and he's just sinning the whole time, but he's really being a holier-than-thou person because, yeah. you know, she's the problem. And the whole time we're reading it going, uh, dude, you're the problem. Yeah. You need to be listening to whatever the preacher's saying. Yeah, I can't relate it's just to that funny. one because my mother-in-law is amazing. Mine's perfect, I just too. want the, everyone who might be too. listening, Same. including my mother-in-law. Just pretend. Yeah, just yeah pretend. totally. It's fiction. Yeah. So... Well, thank you both for being here today and for for sharing your wisdom uh, on this. This was a pleasure. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to uh, joining you again on our Eagle Perspective podcast and continuing on in our series, A Yard of Books, uh, with another book coming soon. Uh, Please feel free to check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or other places where podcasts are available. Until then, we'll catch you next time. 